This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I was praying and asking the Lord about a word for today. For us today. I know that God is, is moving on the church for this next big move that we're looking for. What does God have for us? What is God wanting to do in us? What is God wanting to do through us in a unique and wonderful way? The one thing I love about the kingdom of God and and walking with Christ every day is filled with new opportunities every single day to have profound, eternal impact on someone's life every day. And as a follower of Christ, every day, we should be looking for that one opportunity. One opportunity to have profound impact for the kingdom of God. We're going to read a story today out of Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. So keep your Bibles open to that passage as we turn there today. And we have Peter and John, two of the disciples of Christ, on their way to prayer. They're getting ready to go into prayer at 3 in the afternoon, which was a part of their routine and ritual. When they were there in Jerusalem, they would go into the temple to pray. Now, good things happen on the way to prayer. And something wonderful happened in this story. Let's read. You follow along as I read, beginning in chapter 3 of Acts, beginning with verse 1. Now, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked at him. And, and as did John, and then Peter said something. Look at what Peter said. Peter said, look at us. Look at me. Because when he was asking alms, as they do, I just came back from Jerusalem. I was just there a few weeks ago. And there are still beggars on the streets asking for alms, and they ask with their heads down and their hands up, asking for alms. And Peter said, raise your head up and look at us. Look at us. And then after he said to him, look at us. So the man gave him their attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Then look what he does in verse 7. Taking him by the right hand. Note that right hand. He helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Woo! Well, if you'd been crippled from birth and suddenly God touched you and healed you, you'd be walking, jumping, and praising God too. Amen? There would be nothing conservative about you. When you've been radically touched by God, wow, well, he created quite a disturbance. And they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. Note that. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as you read on in the story, we find that the temple guards get upset. Then the, the, the leaders, the Sanhedrin leaders, the Jewish elders, they get upset. And they bring Peter and John and the man who had been healed in to have a hearing before the religious council. And they're saying, what's going on here? Well, the man who was healed simply says, well, all I can say is this. I was lame this morning, but now I can walk. That's like the man, remember the one who was blind? And they said, what's happened to you? Oh, I can tell you this. I was blind, but now I can see. 
You know, sometimes we think we don't have a great testimony. But you know what our testimony is? Is we have an old life before Christ and we have a new life after Christ. We all have a story. We all have been crippled in some way by life and have found healing in Christ. We all have been blinded in life, but now we have a new sight, a new truth, a new revelation in Christ. And we can see. Amen? So don't tell me you don't have a story. Because you used to be blind. Now you can see. You used to be lame, but now you can walk. You used to be empty, but now you've been filled with the fullness of God. Amen? I'm about to start preaching. This is good stuff. But what I, what I love about this is they arrested them and they, they brought them in. And so the man said, well, I, I, you know, I was lame. And so they look at Peter and John and they're saying, well, what's your story, guys? And here's, they look at them and they go, you know what? These are uneducated, simple fishermen. But yet we can tell something about them. Here's what they say. It's over in chapter 4. It says, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Those that you encounter every day, do they take note of your life? Can they tell? Can they tell who you've been hanging with? Do you know that when you hang with someone for a very long time, you start picking up their traits? Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Husband and wife, my wife and I, we've been around 52 years. We've picked up each other's traits. We now have our own language. It's nonverbal. I don't have to really talk to my wife. I just, I, I look at her, looks at me, and I know exactly what she's saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then she has a little touches, too, like under the table. There will be a little touch of the foot. I know exactly what that means. I got food on my face. Wipe the food off your face. No. But, you know, when you're with someone, you pick up their traits. I was traveling with Dr. John Maxwell one time for, for we were traveling for, for several weeks together, and we were doing leadership training around the world. Well, Dr. Maxwell has an, a unique term that he uses all the time. And, and here's the term to his friends. He says, hey, baby. Yeah. He calls me up on the phone. He says, hey, baby. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was with him for all those weeks. I came back. I didn't even know it. I was saying, hey, baby, to people. <laughs> and I walked in, and we, we had this construction going on at our church at the time, and here's a steel worker in a big hard hat, big rugged man, tools hanging off over him. And he walks up, and I go, hey, baby, how you doing? <laughs> and he looks at me like, what? Donna says, I can tell you've been hanging out with John Maxwell. You've got that hey baby thing going. Now I've got friends of mine hanging out with me, and you know what they say? Hey, baby, what's up? <laughs> it's true. We reflect who we hang with. Peter and John have been hanging with Jesus. And it was so evident to everyone who they had been hanging with in their lives. So I want us to explore this a little bit today as we look into this passage because as I was talking about this, my wife said to me, she's made a simple statement but it's so profoundly true. She said, honey, you know, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more it will show. Isn't that true? Isn't it the more time we spend with him, it is amazing how it begins to affect us? And I thought about these men. They had spent three years with Jesus. They had gone through the crisis of his crucifixion and his death. But they had just come off spending 40 days and 40 nights with him 
after his resurrection. The most powerful time was those 40 days they spent. I believe it was more transformational for them than the three years they had spent with him before. Because now everything was clear. There was no longer doubt. We all knew that he truly was and is the son of the living God. He is the one who died for the sins of the world, was resurrected on the third day. They watched him ascend into heaven and heard the angel say, you men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing? Your Christ who is taken from you will return in like manner. Then the words of Christ were echoing in their minds, go now to all the world and make disciples of all nations. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world. It was echoing in them, and there was a new courage that took over them. A new boldness came over them. There was a new certainty about their lives. There, the doubt had been driven out of them. And they were on point. They were on mission wherever they went. There was a new level of sensitivity about them, a new level of compassion about them that they'd never known before. They'd been jockeying over positions of power and position in the kingdom. But after his death and resurrection in the 40 days with him up in the Galilee, that was no longer the issue. The focus was no longer inward. It was now outward. So let's look at this. I'm amazed that when they came, the first thing I noticed is this. This man, now think about this. This man had been laid at this gate every day, which tells me Peter and John had passed by this man before. This was not the first time they passed by him. Matter of fact, I believe that Jesus had passed by this man before. But today was the day that God had ordained for this man's life to be utterly transformed, for this was God's timing, this was God's plan, this was going to be God's testimony to a nation. And this was going to be a day that God was going to speak powerfully to Peter and John. Then now that you saw the works that I did, but now you will be a part of even doing greater works now that I am in you. For there is a new thing happening in you. There is a new beginning in you. There is a new movement I'm about to stir within you. And I want you to experience this. And, and you know, sometimes we must understand God has a perfect timing for all things. That man may have wondered many other times when Jesus walked by him, well, Jesus, I've heard you've been healing others. Why are you not healing me? Peter and John, you've walked by me before, but you've never stopped to talk to me before. But here's what I know. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more compassionate we are towards others. If there is one thing that will show when you spend more time with Jesus, more of his love will be shown through you. It will take your focus from yourself and it will put it outward to those you encounter. There will become a whole new level of sensitivity in you, a spiritual sensitivity and discernment in you the more time you spend with Jesus. I love this verse of Scripture in Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples in the way that you love one another. Our love is different. Our love gives without expecting any return. Our love lifts because we care. Our love is not about us, it's about him. And it's about those that we know he wants to touch with his love. Mother Teresa said something, I wrote this down, I thought it was so good. To be able to have a heart full of compassion, we need to pray. Because the more time we spend with God in prayer, 
the more we become like him. And the more we discern his voice. The more time I spend with God in prayer, the more I begin to discern that still small voice of God speaking to me. And the more I begin to understand the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. There is a movement of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. He wants us to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. We must walk with the Spirit. Carl Streistrom's dear friend of mine, and Carl taught me how to walk in the rhythm of the bush. There's a rhythm in the bush. I come from America. I don't know how to walk in the bush. So I had to learn to get behind him and follow someone that understood the rhythm of the bush. And I got into his pace, and he taught me. He taught me how to walk in the bush. It's important to know how to walk in the bush, by the way, because there's things in the bush that can get you (laughs) and that are waiting for you. And I'm just waiting for some white man from America that doesn't know how to walk (laughs) in the bush or where to walk in the bush. Just waiting for them. The Holy Spirit, when he's in us, he teaches us how to walk. And he gives us a rhythm. And he gives us a sensitivity that when we come to a moment that God has preordained for transformation to take place, our spirit suddenly is awakened and we are sensitive. And even when we have walked by this way many times before, but today it's different because God says, today I want to do something divine today in this moment. But see, how do you discern that moment unless you have spent time with Jesus in prayer so that his spirit can teach us to have that wisdom and that discernment? You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, that, that's reserved for those that have a special calling on their life. No, 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 no. These were ordinary men, uneducated, ordinary men. But what made them exceptional was the amount of time they had spent with Jesus. The more time we spend, the more compassion we are, the more we know his voice. And here's what I love. They did three things. Look at this in the scriptures. I love this. Here's three things they did. All three, we can do all three of these things with everyone we encounter. When God prompts in our heart a moment of a divine encounter, we can do these three things. The first thing is they did, they, they stopped and they extended their focus on this man. They had walked by him many times, but today they really looked at him. And as they were looking at this man and they were, and they were seeing him in his need, they then had the boldness to say, look at us, look at us. There was this moment of focus, there was this moment of engagement You know, we walk by the world and most of the time we're so disengaged with them. And they're disengaged with us. If we are going to be a part of the next big move in this region for the kingdom of God, we have got to be a people who are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to stop us in our normal rhythms of life so that we can get engaged. There is a moment of engagement that must happen. Spiritual engagement if there's going to be transformation. And these men stopped on their way to prayer. When I got to get to church, now I'm going to be late if I'm not to church. I don't want to be late. I'll miss my seat. I won't be able to get my seat to church. Wait a minute. This is a God moment. But how do I know it's a God moment if I've not been spending time with Jesus to recognize God moments? My heart breaks that many times I feel like I've been in such a hurry to get someplace that I've run right by someone that there was a God moment waiting. If I had been open to the prompting of the Spirit to stop and engage them. And the second thing I love they did, he extended his right hand to lift him. Now there's something important about the right hand. You know the Bible's full of the right hand. You know what the right hand represents, right? 
You know who's sitting at the right hand of God? Yes. You know who God sent as his right hand to lift us out of our sin? His name is Jesus. When he extended his right hand, he was extending a hand, not of his hand, but under the authority of Christ. I'm extending under the authority of Christ. Because he was saying to him, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you, rise and walk, son. And what did he do? He didn't stand there and give him a pep talk. Now, come on, you can get up. Come on, you can do this. Come on, I know you got it in you. Oh, man, come on. This, no, no, no. He extended that hand in the name and authority of Christ. And he lifted the man when the man could not lift himself. There are times in our, in our engagement, we have got to do the lifting. It'd be nice just to go walk around and go, okay, rise up and be healed in Jesus' name, move right on. But for most of us, we got to get engaged and we got to do some heavy lifting. And sometimes we don't get them up on their feet the first time we lift them up. But see, as a church... If we're going to be a part of the move of what God has for us coming, we've got to be not only engaged, but we've got to be willing to do some lifting. Because at that moment, it's not about us. It's about the one we're trying to lift. And when they find out we're trying to lift them for their sake and not for our sake, for no other sake, but for their sake, suddenly they're going to go, wow, they do care about me. And they lifted him. I don't know what you, what you need to be doing with some of those that God's called you to engage, but I'm going to be looking for ways. How can I lift them? How can I lift the load from them that they're carrying so they can get on their feet? What can I do to help bring healing? What can I speak over them to encourage them? What, what is it I can do to help them? Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes we make this thing way too complicated. You lifted the 40, was it 46, 47, 49, 40-something 40 prisoners? 45. 45. I knew it was in the 40s. 45. I knew, was it 45? Yes, sir. Thank you. You know what you did there? You, you, you saw them, you engaged with them, and you just now have lifted them up to a new level of life. That's what you did, Celebration Church. Celebration Church, you extended the right hand of God to them in the authority of Christ to them, and you lifted them up. And do you know what else I love about this? They extended their faith to them. He, he did not have the faith for his healing, but Peter and John, they had just come back from Jesus. Man, they were full of faith. They had just come from Pentecost. They were full of faith. May I tell you one thing, when you hang out with Jesus, you will be full of faith. And you know what? There are times we need to have faith for those that do not have the faith for themselves. And we can believe for them. Aren't you glad that somebody believed for you? Oh, I can tell you what, when I've been weak, there have been people who had more faith than I've had. They've gathered around me, and their faith has made me strong. Praise God. Paul says it. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. But I know one thing, if, you don't, if you're not full of faith, you need to be full and overflowing with that faith of God. That doesn't come. If you're running on empty because you've not been spending much time with Jesus, you're not going to have enough faith to believe for others. But for that next big move that God has in your life and in the life of the church, when we're spending time with Jesus... Not only will we be filled with more compassion and we will begin to see the need, but we will slow down in the rhythm of the Spirit and be sensitive to His prompting that when we can stop, engage, lift, and believe. Stop, engage, lift, and believe. Say it with me. Stop, engage, lift, and believe. Stop, engage, lift, and believe. Now, I'll tell you what, we all can do that, amen? There may be someone today, God wants you to stop, engage, lift them, and believe for them. 
You say, well, Pastor, I haven't seen them walking and jumping yet. Hey, you leave that to God. Our mission is to stop when the Spirit says stop. Our mission is to engage when the Spirit says engage. Our mission is to lift when the Spirit says lift. Our mission is to believe when the Spirit says believe. Amen? So what are we going to do today? We're going to stop, we're going to engage, we're going to lift, and we're going to believe. I didn't know I was going to say that's good preaching though. Yeah, I believe that. That'll preach, Chris. You can take that back and preach that. You, matter of fact, that's a four-week sermon series right there. So let's review this. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more we will focus on others and the less we will focus on ourselves. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more we want to lift others, to raise them up to a level where we know God wants them to be. Because, see, we know we have been lifted up to a new level. And the more time we spend with Jesus, the stronger our faith will be so we can believe for others. And the more time we spend with Jesus, the more generous we will be about investing our time and resources into others. Because Jesus, you can't spend time with Jesus and not have the generosity of his heart flow into you. I know the more time I spend with Jesus, I want to give everything away. I just want to give everything I've got away, including my time. I want to give it away. You know another thing I love about this story? In the fourth chapter, when they called them in, I want to read a couple of verses. In the fourth chapter, it says, they called them in. Again, they called them in a second time before the Sanhedrin, before the religious and here's what they commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Said, okay, guys, we're going to let you off, but here's the deal. You cannot teach or speak in the name of Jesus. Look look what Peter says back to him in, in chapter 4, verse 20. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I can't help it. I cannot stay silent. There's no way. Would you rather have me be intimidated by man or would you rather have me honor God? I cannot keep quiet about that which I love most. I cannot keep quiet about what I have seen. I cannot keep quiet about what I have heard. I cannot keep quiet about what I've experienced. Isn't it true? Whatever you're passionate about, you talk about. You can't keep your passions hidden. No way. Do you think, like, I have secret passions. I have secret passions. Well, they'll come out. They'll come out. They'll come out. So I wonder, how often does Jesus come out in our conversations? Outside of church, not in church. Now, we're all in church. We're, it's Jesus here. It's, it's all the way Jesus. It's Jesus. When you pull in the parking lot, it's Jesus. Come on. It's Jesus. But how, how engaged is he? How, how much is he in the middle of that conversation in the rest of our life? Peter says, I cannot help but tell what I've seen, what I've experienced, what I've encountered. Look at this interesting verse. Write this verse down. You want to read this. Philemon. It's it's a small book. One chapter. Philemon, verse 6. Look what it says. Paul's writing to actually a very wealthy businessman. And he says to him, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Active in sharing your faith. So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. In that instinct, so that you have a full understanding of everything we have in Christ. Here's what I found. The more I share Jesus, the more Jesus reveals himself to me. And the greater the revelation I get of who Christ is, the more I find my purpose and my significance in my life, the more I understand, 
my mission in life and the more courage and boldness I have in sharing this truth because it's all that matters in the end of life. I have a man in my church by the name of Lester. He's a businessman, a very prominent businessman. I've traveled with him around the world, many places. Lester is an evangelist at heart. He wears a businessman's suit, but he has the calling of an evangelist. No matter where we are, he is trying to lead somebody to Jesus. If I leave him in the lobby of a hotel too long by himself, when I come back, he's praying with someone to receive Christ. That's who he is. Funny story, I took him to Rome. We go into St. Peter's church in Rome. I leave him alone. I come back, he's talking to a priest. How do you know that you have salvation in Jesus Christ? And the priest kept saying, the church, the church, the church. And Lester kept saying to the priest, it is Christ. It is in Christ you are born again. And he starts quoting all these scriptures to the priest. And I'm saying that we're in St. Peter's Church in Rome. This is a father. And Lester's making sure he's saved and going to heaven. He wants to make sure. He's saying, he, he was getting after this guy. So I walk up and I go, Lester, um, I think it's time to go. He said, I can't leave until I make sure he knows that, that he's going to live eternity with Jesus. That's his passion. He's a passionate man. He is so bold. Now that takes boldness. I, I wouldn't let him meet the Pope. I, I, would, I would keep him away from the Pope. No, don't, don't, don't embarrass us with the Pope. Don't embarrass us with the Pope. I... But he told me a story. He was a young businessman in his 20s when his mother was tragically killed in a car accident. He was standing by her casket. And one after another, people were coming up and they were saying very similar things about his mother to him. Things like this, I'll be in heaven one day because your mother led me to Jesus. He kept hearing this throughout the day and, and it prompted in his heart and he, and he thought, will anyone be in heaven because I led them to Jesus? And then something strange happened a few weeks later. A business associate of his that he had been working with for five years, for five years, came and said to him, Lester, I heard you were a Christian. Some man that goes to your church was telling me that you go to church with him. I didn't know you were a Christian. Lester said, I shrunk to the ground. He said, here I've worked with this man for five years and he didn't know that I was a Christian. What in the world is wrong with me that those that work with me do not know where I stand, what I believe, what I'm passionate about? Am I so consumed with my business that I don't have time to talk about what is most important to me? When I'm not listening to the Spirit to direct me of when I need to engage this man at a moment in his life when someone, he needs to lift him up, when someone needs to believe for him when he cannot believe for himself, am I so self-consumed that I cannot see that need of others and I have held Jesus so tightly to me that I've been not generous enough to share him with this man. And it radically changed his life. So now every day he's on high alert. He said, I wake up. I get out of bed, I go down, I have breakfast, and I'm looking. God, who do you want me to engage today? 
Someone's cutting the grass. Oh, that might be my assignment. There he'll go. Turn the lawnmower off. I need to talk to you for a minute. If you were to die today, do you know where you would go? You know, I mean, I mean, Lester, he, he, he does not hold back. He does not hold back. I said, oh, Jesus, have I become too educated and too sophisticated that I hold back too much? But see, I found if we're sensitive to the Spirit, here's the secret. Now listen to me, children of God. Here's the secret. And when we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the person we are to engage with, God has already got their heart ready to be engaged with. So it's not a forcing something on them. It's not a, a mandate on us. We're simply obeying God. And we're getting in rhythm with the Spirit for His divine timing of what He wants to do to lift that person up, to heal them, restore them, and transform them. And let it become a testimony for the kingdom. But see, we have to spend time with Jesus. But the more time I've spent with him, the more I want to talk about him, don't you? And you know what else I love? So here's what Peter and John did. As soon as they got done with their encounter and they were told, now you cannot speak anymore or teach anymore, which was ridiculous. Do you know where the first place they went? Do you know where they went? They went to church. They went running and found a whole bunch of the believers and they gave the full report to the church. Peter and John. Here's what I know. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you love his church. Amen? I love church. I love church. This is not like, oh, we got to, it's Sunday morning, we got to go to church. Well, honey, how do you feel this morning? You feel like going to church? Are we going to go to are we going to go to church today? I wonder how long the service is going to be today. Wait, oh, last week, man, that thing was long last week. The Lord wore me out. I, I'm tired. I've had a hard week. I, I don't know if I want What? Man, when you spend time with Jesus, you want to spend time with Jesus' family. You want to spend time with Jesus' team. You want to spend time with Jesus' body. You want to spend time with that which he came and to die for and to establish the very foundation of his life was for the church. It is at the center of his heart. Man, I'll tell you what, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you want to run to church. I got to get to church because I want to have a rich fellowship that I cannot experience on my own when we worship together, when we pray together, when we study the word together. We are stronger together. We are better together. We are more alive together. We are more transformational together. We are, we, I tell you what, we're ready for the next big move together. And here's what happened when they got together. They started praising God. Bonnie got up and led worship. Well, she wasn't there, but someone like Bonnie. And they were leading worship, and, and they were worshiping God, and the Holy Spirit fell on them. And then you know what it says that happened to them? They all went forth speaking boldly the name of Jesus. <laughs> the power of that name. I'll tell you what, I love this verse. I wrote this verse down. I love it. In 1 Peter 2.17, in the message it says, love your spiritual family. Tell somebody, I love my spiritual family. Oh, I love it. I love it. I couldn't wait to get here. It took me 24 hours of travel in airplanes to get here. Couldn't wait. You know what kept me excited? I was going to get to be with the church this morning. Amen. The body of Christ. The family of God. I love what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in the book of Ephesians. It says the church you see is not peripheral to the, it's not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. You know what he's saying? In other words, 
when you're standing here and the focus of your life is upon your life and the things of the world and the church is kind of over here where you can barely see it out of the side of your eye, that's called peripheral. Paul says, no, no, no. No, 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 no. The church is central to your vision. The world is peripheral. See, the problem is we got so much of the world over here, all of this, and the church is a little bit over here, and we wonder why we're so easily distracted. But when the church is here, then the mission, the purpose, the focus is here. Guess what else is here? Who is at the center of the church? Jesus Christ. Amen? When I'm spending time with the church, I'm spending time with Jesus. When I'm worshiping in the church, I'm worshiping Jesus. When I'm sitting under the Word in the church, I'm sitting under Jesus. And when I'm with my brothers and sisters in the Lord, there is a power when we are united in Christ. It is where the favor of God flows. It's where the power of God flows when I'm united. If one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight, that tells me there's a multiplication when you're united in the body of Christ that will give you a victory over whatever battle you're facing. You're not meant to be out there insulated and isolated and separated from the body. Why is it when we get in real battles we want to keep ourselves away from the church? Man, that's when you need to run to the church. Run. Get running. Where are you going? I'm in a battle, man. I'm getting to church. Because you know there is where the victory is in the church. We need to so fall in love with it, fresh or new. I'm asking God, give me a fresh love for the church. Give me a new love for the church. Give me a new love for the body of Christ. Give me a new love for your worship and your presence where you inhabit. And finally this, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more lives we will see changed. See, but let's don't forget the main part of the story is the lame man who was healed, and now he can walk. And that is a living testimony. It brought awe and amazement to the crowd. It gave an opportunity for Christ. Who knows how many followed that man? You know that man could not stay quiet the rest of his life telling his story of what Jesus did for him. The transformation that took place. All I know is this, the more time we spend with Jesus, now listen to me, the more he changes us, and then he can use us to change others. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more he will change us, and use us then to change others. Listen to this verse. I, I was praying over a very familiar verse that we all know, Matthew 5, 16, when Jesus says, so let your light shine. Men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you know what Jesus is really saying there? He's really saying to us, live a life that's so attractive that men are, are drawn to you. They're drawn to you. Just like when a light is turned on in the middle of the night, every bug in the territory is drawn to that light. Is that not true? If there is a moth anywhere in a dark place and you turn a light on, it's right there, drawn to that light. Can't keep it away. See, when, when we are being led by the Spirit of God, filled with His love, when our life is all about engaging, focusing, lifting, and sharing our faith. We're going to stop, look, and listen. And then we're going to lift. We're going to stop, look, and listen. And then we're going to lift. I'm going to stop. I'm going to look. I'm going to listen to the Spirit. I'm going to seize that opportunity. Then I'm going to lift. Wow. Suddenly your life becomes attractive. People are drawn to you. They know where to go when times of crisis are because you were there for them when they were in crisis before. And here's what the key is. We live such a life that people are drawn to you so you can lead them to me, Jesus was saying. 
We need little lives that are so attractive in this world. They stand out. Our love stands out. Our willingness to engage stands out. Our willingness to sacrifice that we do without so we can help somebody else be lifted up stands out. Our passion for the things of God stand us out. People are drawn to that. And then when they're drawn to us, we know what our mission is to lead them to him. To the source of everything good in us comes from Jesus. Amen? So I have a simple challenge for you today. Very simple message I brought you today, but a simple challenge. The world will take note where transformation is taking place. The world will take note where transformation is taking place. The world will take note where transformation is taking place. And the world will be drawn to where transformation is taking place place. So I want to challenge you to this. Will you commit with me today to spend more time in prayer with Jesus every day? Say, I'm going to spend more time with Jesus in prayer. Now, I don't, I'm not saying how long that is. I'm just saying more than what you're spending now I'm, I'm going to take it to another level in my time of getting quiet before God in prayer with the Lord. Secondly, I commit today I'm going to spend more time in the Word with Jesus every day. I don't know how much time you're spending in the Word, but I'm just making a commitment. And I'm making this commitment with you. I'm going to spend more time in the Word, not just trying to look for another sermon. I'm just seeking out the Word to let the Word speak life to me. Why? So that I may be able to speak life to others. Why do I spend this time with Jesus? I want my life of intimacy and my love relationship with Christ to grow so that that is so true that others see him in me. And I got a third commitment I want you to make. I'm going to commit to spend more time in worship with Jesus. Here's what I know, if you'll do that, you will find your life enriched and empowered like never before. Then here's what will happen when you spend more time with Jesus in prayer. You spend more time with him in the word, you spend more time with him in worship. You know what happens? You begin to live a life in such a way that people will take note that you have been with Jesus. Wow. And then guess what? Then you will begin to become an instrument that will enrich and empower others. There will become a new movement a big movement of transformation and it starts in the place of prayer it starts in the word it starts in my worship transformation look at me everyone everyone look at me transformation begins with me when we are transformed, we become agents of transformation. Peter and John were not able to lift that man up when they had passed him before. But that day they were because there had been a transformation take place in Peter and in John. After those 40 days with Jesus. Celebration Church, God has raised you up for this time. 
all these years, Pastor Tom, Pastor Bonnie have invested their lives pouring into Celebration Church and into your lives have been for this season, for this season, for this season. I keep coming back over here because I so believe in you and that what God is going to do in you and then through you. The next big move is internal. And when the big move happens, listen to me, when the big move happens in here, you better buckle up because then we'll start to see the next big move out here. Father, I pray that you will help us to grasp the simple truth of this message of your heart's desire to work in us. We pray that, oh God, you will clothe us with your compassion. We pray, oh God, you will give us your courage to share more boldly the passion we have in you because we know silver and gold have we none, but in the name of Jesus, there is all power, there is all authority to heal, to deliver, to transform, to lift up. So, Father, I pray that we will be sensitive enough to be able to walk so in tune with your Spirit that when the Spirit says stop, we stop, we engage, we lift, and we believe. Lord, that's our prayer. And Father, may we allow the church, your blessed gift to us, to become the center of our focus and all things else become peripheral because then you bring our entire life into balance. And everything we're longing for is found in you. Lord, make our lives so attractive that others are drawn to us so that we can lead them to you. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org. We dedicate our lives to you afresh and anew. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen.